Welcome to the Cannon Fire Podcast. We are on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. If you're new around here, I am your host, Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. Welcome back to the show for episode 48. And we are not by ourselves today. Let's get into things. Joining us today, a very special guest, former Buccaneer safety, Keith Tandy. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? I am doing pretty good. Very glad to have you here. Now, uh, uh, now, Evan, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fine. How are you? I am doing good. And like I said, we've got an action-packed show. We've got very special guest, Keith Tandy, with us. Uh, so let's really kind of jump into this thing. So, folks... Uh, if you were not familiar, Keith Tandy, again, former safety for the Buccaneers, drafted in 2012 by the Bucks, played for five years until 2017, spent some time in Atlanta, and is now a free agent in the NFL. Uh, very, very glad to have you here with us, and um, let's get this thing on the road. So, we had some questions for you and uh, some things that we really wanted to ask. Some of these questions come from fans, some of these questions come from us as well, uh, but they're mostly going to be about your time in Tampa Bay. And um, just kind of kick things off here, uh, your first impression of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, kind of getting into the building in 2012 and, and things like that, your rookie season, uh, how did that all go for you? I mean, it ended up going pretty good, but when I first got there, I had like really no idea what to expect. Like you hear stuff in college, oh, it's, a, it's such a business and stuff like that, so you, don't, you really don't know what that means. And then... When you get there, like, it was going pretty good at first. So the rookies get there first, and all the workouts and stuff, we all together, so it's going good. Then the vets get there, and everything was still going good, going smooth. But then it's like that first time you see somebody get cut, it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And that was probably the hardest thing for me to get – well, I never got used to it, but that was the hardest thing for me to get used to, seeing guys come and go so fast. Definitely. It's it's a rapidly changing environment in the NFL. Um now, Ivan, I'm going to toss it over to you. Um, we'll just kind of go back and forth here on the questions and kind of toss around, see what we can get. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, first off, thank you, Mr. Tandy, for, for joining us tonight. Um, yeah, you know, basically, Dirk Cutter was the head coach of the Buccaneers for three seasons, and you were with him for two. He was the offensive coordinator in 2015, head coach in 2016 and 2017, Plus, you spent training camp and the preseason with him as the head coach. Of course, as you probably know, he was relieved of his duties this pet, this offseason uh, after three seasons. What are your thoughts on, on Coach Dirk Cutter? And uh, was he was he as advertised as a, as a player's coach? I believe he was. Like, I love Coach Cutter. Um like, it was no hard feelings when they released me. Like, I understand you got to do what you think is best for this team in order to win. And it's like it's a funny thing about football where it's like they always tell us the stat. I forget exactly how what it is, but, like, 65% of the games are one-score games. And it's kind of just like it can be one little thing that changes the whole season, whether that be um, somebody catch a ball or miss the sign or whatever. And that can really, like, change the perception of how you was as a player or as a coach. 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, the reason I think uh, the big reason that Dirk Cutter w- was let go was his overall record in in one score games. As you said, most NFL games are, are going to be decided by one score. Uh, we're seeing that in the playoffs right now. Playoff games are always tight, uh, and and really every regular season game, no matter what team it is, uh, it's always going to be close in the NFL. And, and that's where, and, and and you know that's really where Cutter just just wasn't able to get it done, but. His first year, his first year, you guys, you guys were struggling in midseason. His first year as head coach, three and five. What changed in, in that locker room to have you guys go on that impressive five-game win streak? We actually we got hit right in the mouth two games in a row. We played, um, I think it was Oakland and Atlanta. Within like it was a Saturday and a Thursday game. I mean, a Sunday and a Thursday game. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. That's when they went to overtime, correct? Right, we went to overtime versus Oakland on Sunday and then played Atlanta. And we might have gave up, I know it was over 1,000 yards those two games on defense. And we really, like, everybody did some soul searching. We sat down and if he just made, it's, it's hard to explain, but, like, those two losses really made the team just come closer together, especially on defense. And we sat down with, like, man, we can't allow this. We're better than this. Like, this get back down um, to the fundamentals, back to the basics, and let's just control what we can control and see what happens. Yeah, and, and again, as Evan had said, that was a very, very impressive time uh, to be a Bucks fan and just kind of watch everything happen because that five-game win streak, I mean, it, it was for a while the Bucks were, I, I would say at that time, one of the hotter teams in the NFL. Now, during that five-game win streak, you called game on two of them. And <laughs> I wanted to ask you, uh, not only picking off Philip Rivers um, to seal the game against who I believe was San Diego at the time, wasn't sure if they were the LA Chargers, uh, but the week after that, picking off Drew Brees to seal that game in Tampa. Uh, I, I mean, both of those for you. How, just walk us through it. Like, how how did you feel? Um, like, how was that all for you? I was an unbelievable feeling. Just like playing against two of the uh, great quarterbacks maybe of all time, definitely our generation. And just, like, I, I've always been a big fan, huge fan of the X and O's. That's a big reason why I want to coach when I finish. But just getting a chance to just play chess with those guys. Like, okay, this is the coverage we in. So he see a couple different times, like, what I'm doing. So then the next time, I try to, like, fake like I'm doing that and do something else up and set a play. But it was a good time. I had a couple tips from um, watching film. It was... That was the first time I really had a chance to start and not really play special teams, so I wasn't really focused on watching film on special teams. So I just finally got a chance to just sit down and really like study like strictly their offense and our responsibilities, and it really slowed the game down a lot for me. Definitely, and and as I said, you know, two of those games very very I'd say fun for me because it was just it was surreal. Like I said, five in a row. Um, it definitely was a great time. Now those are some good memories as a Buck, but. I wanted to ask you, do you have a, a favorite memory or a, a certain game or anything that sticks out above anything else? You know, your favorite memory um, as a Buccaneer. I mean, my, I would say, I mean, my favorite play would, would definitely be the play versus Drew Brees in that second week after that. Just the two-minute drive, like, it was a play that we literally, like, worked on in practice, like, so many times, so many times, and 
we couldn't get the scout team to run it right. We're like, oh, this is how they run it. And we actually on defense arguing with each other, like, no, like, this is how they run it. <laughs> and then, like, so, like, just when I saw that formation, like, I said something to Bradley McDougal. He was the other safety. I was saying something like, man, just protect me. If this route come, I'm about to end the game. I didn't say all that to him. I was like, Bradley, just protect me over the top. And But in my head, I was like, this route come, I'm going to end the game right here. And then it happened so slow, like, I almost overran it. I couldn't hear anything in the stadium, but I could see, like, everybody on the field yelling, but I couldn't hear what they were saying. And, like, just that feeling, that was definitely my favorite play. Definitely. Definitely a rush. And I think one of my favorite things about watching it back, um, I put together some of the audio for the intro of the show today, and watching the clip again, I mean, at that time, like you said, you really can't hear what's going on on the field. It's so loud in that stadium. Watching it back after the play is over – I mean, you can see it's so loud. The cameras are shaking. Everybody's freaking out. It is just an electric atmosphere in Raymond James after that play. Um, so definitely a, a great time uh, had by all there. But, Evan, I wanted to toss it back to you, man. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, that play versus New Orleans, to, to do that against a quarterback like Drew Brees, we all know how good Drew Brees is. You say it was film study. Uh, that was great anticipation by you. Uh, just, just a fantastic. The timing was perfect. I know you said you almost overran it. Thank God you didn't. Um, it was a fourth and one, so that that pass was past the the first down marker. So they would have, I believe, that was that would have been across midfield. Um, so that that was a huge play, and uh, that that was that was a big reason why there's so much excitement in the stands because of that five game win streak. And of course, you were a big part of that. Um, but the quarterback when that five-game win streak was Jameis Winston, and he played his bugaboo has always been turnovers, protecting the football. And those five games, he really protected the ball well. But I, I'm wondering, inside that locker room, who, who is Jameis Winston? Because you've been with him for – you were with him for three seasons. Who, who is Jameis Winston as, as a football player? I mean, he's a guy that everybody wants to be around. Like, people love being around him. Guys love playing with him, love playing for him. Like, he has a way. It's hard to explain, but just to make everybody around him better. Um, I, I used to joke back when I was there, sometimes when he talked to you, like, you feel like one of your uncles talking to you or something. Like, oh, like, <laughs> even though he's, like, younger than you, but... <laughs> Like, and you can tell, like, he really cared. Like, he goes out of his way to make sure he remembers, like, everybody's name, your family members. He'll come up and ask to him. Like, he don't ask, Keith, how's your son doing? He, Keith, how's Julian doing? Oh, that's my dog, man, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I wonder if he only do that to me. But I, like, pay attention to him, and then he'll go over to, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I was, Gerald is the easy one, but I'm trying to, something, well, like a guy that doesn't play as much, maybe one of the bottom guys on the roster, and then he'll ask him the same thing. Yo, Bob, how is uh, your son Justin doing? I'm like, oh, wow. Like, he really takes his time to go out of his way. And little things like that make guys want to play for him. And I feel like it's a big part of football because bad things are going to happen. You're going to face adversity. But if you want to play for the guy next to you, it makes it a lot more easier. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, and actually, you mentioned Gerald McCoy there. Um, looking back at that Saints clip, after the interception, I, I know you said you really couldn't hear much. It looks like Gerald McCoy is the first one to you, though. It, it looks like he sort of just throws his arms up in the air, then goes 
So you, was it, did he say anything to you there that you can remember? Or I mean, I know we all know Gerald McCoy is is a leader, and and on that defense, he's he's earned that captain spot. Um, did, did was there anything said or anything like that? <laughs> I I have no idea. Like, I don't remember a single word. Like after I said whatever I said to Bradley, it was just kind of like it was really just like a movie. Like everything got silent. The play started. Like I didn't hear the cadence or anything. Just I saw, um, I think it was Sneed. Once he put his foot in the ground, I said, okay, here it come. Caught it. And I don't remember anything until I got all the way to the locker room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just you blinked and it was over. It was one of those type things. You know, you're in the locker room after the game. Um, and, and speaking of guys in the locker room, we brought up Jameis Winston, uh, Gerald McCoy. Now, this is a question I kind of wanted to ask uh, to get a feel of Who's funny in there? Um, I wanted to ask if you had anyone you can remember who was like the funniest guy on the team, or um, just any funny stories you might have. <laughs> uh, you should have prepared me for this. Uh, <laughs> funny Sorry, I didn't guy. mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, especially I've been out of that locker room for a couple months now, so we might have to come back to that one later. I'll give me a chance to think about it. Okay, no worries, no worries. Um, now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hang on. Um, okay. Sorry. Let me. All right. Uh, Hold on, let me go ahead and go right now. So, honestly, one of the funniest guys in the locker room was uh, Fitzpatrick, actually. Yeah? Like, Fitzpatrick, he he was great for the locker room. So, like, he know how to keep it light. Um, he, like, any of the games that we play in the locker room, he'll participate. If it's ping pong, if it's basketball, if we, during training camp, playing cards, you know how to play them all. And. And he, obviously, he went to Harvard. He's an intelligent guy. So he has these jokes that everybody don't understand all the time. <laughs> but it cracks me up. And, like, sometimes we'll, like, look at each other and <laughs> give each other that eye. Like, nobody got it but us. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Keith, if you, if you had the choice to play ping pong or basketball in that locker room, because I see they have the little hoop there. So, so what would you choose to play? If I had a choice to play – see, I play I play it all. Like, um I played ping pong a little bit of uh, basketball, and even uh, me and AG got the cornhole started for a while, but we were hitting people walking by, so they got kind of out of hand, so we kind of cut that out. But <laughs> I play it all, man. I, I've seen I've seen some of the videos, man. Those ping pong matches, they get pretty heated. I know um, <laughs> Alan Cross, he actually just recently retired. I heard he was he, he had his time to shine at the ping pong table. He did his thing, Mr. Honcho. Oh, yeah, he did. And actually, like, sometimes I bet to fans, people on the outside looking in, like, oh, these guys goofing around. But we don't do it all the time. But it's actually, um, I mean, it's competitive. So a lot of times you get there in the morning, man, Joshua Robson, you get there early, play real quick, get our adrenaline pumping before we go into meetings and stuff. And we're not actually, like, drowsy in meetings. Or you'll see some guys play right before practice. And it's kind of like to get your brain firing before practice or whatever. Yeah, but kind of um, waking up the senses. Exactly. Definitely. And on the, um, but as far as like the best guys on the team and ping pong, my top four would be not in any order, but Alan Cross, Justin Evans, Brian Anger, and then I like Riley game. Riley got a real defensive game, but I like his. Those are my top four. <laughs> <laughs> nice man. So we were asking about some of the things that you know kind of go on in one buck place, and uh, I wanted to see if he had an opinion on what's been going on lately. So. As we had discussed earlier, Dirk Cutter was relieved of his duties um, at the end of the Week 17 game. Uh, Buccaneers brought in Bruce Arians, and he brought in, uh, I mean, I would say a stacked staff 
Um, and I just wanted to see if you had an opinion on, you know, B.A. himself and that staff that he's brought in as well. And, uh, I mean, do you think they're going to hopefully do some good? I mean, I, I hope they do. Um, so the only one I have experience in it with is Keith Armstrong, the special teams coach. I was with him in uh, Atlanta, and I spent a lot of time in his office. Like, it was days we'd be there until 8.30 at night meeting just trying to catch me up. But I love him. I love his style of coaching. And I know he'll have guys playing hard. He'll have guys playing to the whistle, and they'll be playing penalty free. And then the only other guy, well, actually Cody Graham, too. So they brought him in to help out. So that's my guy. But everything I've heard about Bruce Aarons and Ty Bowles has been nothing but great. I heard they're going to coach you hard, but then it's, they're going to love you right after that off the field. So I, that's how I love to be coached. I want you to coach me hard on every little detail. and But then also I want to see if you care once we leave the field. Right, 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 right. Um, Evan, I did want to toss it back to you, my friend. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, you did say about the special teams, and you you were in Atlanta for a few games this year, and you were with uh, on the same, I guess you could say, special teams unit as a guy who many say has cursed the Buccaneers, and that is kicker Matt Bryant. So, I mean... <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, they say he's the ageless wonder, right? So, um, do you got any stories about Matt Bryant? Like, what is his approach? You know, he's, he's still kicking, and he doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know much about kicking myself, but so when we first got there, well, when I first got to Atlanta, it was week two, and his locker was about three lockers down and two to the left down from me. And I just see this old guy in here, and he, I'm like, who this retired coaching her with us like <laughs> and then he's like on his phone and then he was like hey my daughter's selling i think like girl scout cookies or cookies for a soccer team how about all y'all buy 10 and so like it was like my second day there so i didn't know whether or not i should laugh i'm trying to figure out like who is this like coaching her like all the time like, i never see him in a meeting i just see him in the locker room like not doing anything and then i didn't realize until after the first game I'm like oh that's matt bryant and so we ended up. We talked a lot just because he, what he was. Um, he still had the house in Tampa. He was talking about selling me his house and talking about his times down here. But I don't know how he does it. Like only time I see him is like in his locker and on the field. So I don't. I wish I had a secret wusa or stretching <laughs> program, strength program. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the Buccaneers would like to have that secret, if you do have any information. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, basically, that that's a that's a funny story. Uh, it really is. And like I said, though, Matt, Matt Bryant, who, of course, uh, made the game-winning field goal against the Buccaneers. Uh, really, in, in week six, he made the, the big-time field goal in the Bucks versus the Bucks, which pushed it to a two-score game. Um, I believe he got injured on that kick, actually. Uh, but that was a big-time kick, and, and, and you played in that game. So what was it like, you know? Playing, playing for a team for a long time, you get familiar. Uh, what was it like finally playing against the Bucks? I was crazy because, like, I knew, I knew the defense and special teams like in and out, all the calls. I knew if they were going like disguise something or if they were going to change the word. I knew what the the new code words would be. Like, I knew all that. Like, and then on offense, it's crazy. Like, because going against the offense all the time in practice you start to get a feel like, okay, this is what they do. But I've never like actually written it down to know 
And so when they were asking me, the guys on defense, like, do you got any tips for us about the offense? I really didn't have anything for them. I'm like, um, so I told them about the personnel. But then once we got on the field, like the play before the game, pregame, I'm like, I'm going to talk to everybody I can pregame because when this game starts, I'm trying to choke somebody out. So <laughs> I don't got no friends once this game starts. Right, right. <laughs> now, um, uh, another thing about that game, I mean, that was the game that, that just came down to the wire. I mean, it was it was that last effort play by the Bucks. You know, they had the laterals going side to side. Everybody's making these passes to Sean Jackson just five yards out. I'd say five or ten yards out from the end zone. I wanted to ask if, you know, on the Atlanta sideline or uh, around any of the Atlanta personnel, what the reaction was to that. Uh, I mean, I was at home watching it. I jumped up. I, I put my hands on my head. I didn't know how to feel for about three hours because it was, it was close. So just to kind of get you know the opposing team's point of view, um, was there a general reaction to that? So first thing first, when they first came out in the formation, I knew what they were going to do, but it, um, it it made me mad. I was like I was pissed off at myself because. That's one thing I didn't tell, like, our defense, our defensive coach before the game or whatever during the week was about that play. But I remember us running that play, and Dirk and Mike Smith used to go back and forth all the time, like, adding these plays in. And I might have actually helped them come up with that play because sometimes I would talk to Ron Griffin or Fitzpatrick or any other backup quarterback. I'm like, well, if y'all attack right here and let her here, then they'll be wide open. So I might actually came up with that play. But when it started, our coaches on the sideline, they, they were panicking before the play started because somebody was misaligned. I'm, so I'm like, all right, here we go. But once it started, I saw him on the sideline wide open. I'm like, holy cow, like this play really about to work in the game. And luckily that ball hit the ground and Hump couldn't get a good pass. And so we was all definitely over there sweating, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody expected that. I don't think anybody, anybody expected. That. I do remember though in in camp, uh, I, I went I went down to camp. Uh, I live in Pennsylvania, and I went down for camp for a few days. I do remember them running that play, and as they were running it, I really didn't know what was going on. And then like an hour afterwards, I was like, "Wait a minute!" You know, I, I've seen that before. Um, so I'm, I, I'm sure you you had experience with it. Um, yeah, that must have been that must have been something. Uh, but one last question about the the Falcons and the Bucks. What were the the big differences? Like when you get to Atlanta, it's your first team since college that you know you were in Tampa for six years. It, it you know you have to get used to some things, and then you come to Atlanta, and maybe you know how different was it was Atlanta compared to the Bucks. I was uh, I was all jacked up. Just my weekly schedule, my daily schedule. I didn't know exactly what time to get there. Like they started at eight. It's real crazy. They started at eight, and the Bucks started at um, seven forty-five. So it wasn't really much of a difference there. But it was just like we. They start lifting weights at eight, and the Bucks start. They start a team meeting or a special team meeting at seven forty-five, and. So just like how you prepare your day and get started, you got to be prepared different. Like, cause you got to, it's, it's different for me to get ready to lift weights versus getting ready to go to meet. It's like, I need to warm my brain up, but now I got to warm my whole body. So little things like that. And, and then like I had like exactly what I ate pretty much every day in Tampa figured out. And then I get to Atlanta. I'm like, where's this? Like, y'all don't have, all right, well, yeah, y'all do things a little bit different. And then, how they do their meetings, like, 
that was the big difference for me. Like I walked into the first team meeting and they playing music videos and I'm like, is this like <laughs> a joke or something? Like, are they, uh, are y'all pranking me right now? <laughs> but yeah, so they playing music videos when you walk in and guys in the uh, team meeting shooting basketball. They had like Nerf gun competitions in the team meetings. And but they did it because everything about their Wednesday was all about competition. So they wanted guys to be competing, and you did it in front of everybody. Normally, it was an offensive player versus a defensive player that he would call up there. So things like that were so so much different. And then the weather, it actually oh, yeah. got pretty cold up there. So I wasn't prepared <laughs> for that. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Yeah. So so let's 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 settle the debate right now. You you don't have to answer this if you if you don't want to. You've gone up against probably both in practice. Who's better, Mike Evans or Julio Jones? Oh. <laughs> See, I was around Mike a lot longer, and I've seen him like actually in training camp. So I've, I got more like of a scouting. I got more stuff on him. But just how like Julio to be that big and to get in and out of those breaks so fast is like unbelievable to see in person. But him and Mike are like different different receivers. Like Mike would be better at going up, high pointing the ball and catching it in traffic, taking a hit when he catches the ball. But then Julio, he's like more like a twitchy athlete where he's like faster, jump higher, getting in and out of breaks faster. But then like I think Mike has better hands and he has like better like ball control, um, body control when he's going to high point the balls. Okay. Very very interesting. Okay. Well, uh, Mr. Tandy, I know you said you only have a uh, specific window of time, and, and while we still have you here as we wrap things up, uh, I wanted to ask you. We've got you on at a perfect time, the biggest game of the season coming up just a couple of days from now. That's Super Bowl 53. Now, I, I want to ask you, who you got? As much as I hate picking against Brady, I got the Rams. Wow. Uh, I mean, hmm. if I was a betting man... <clears throat> Which let me just say that I'm not. Um, I don't. I don't think New England loses. I, I just. I truly don't. I don't think they lose two in a row. That's the thing, man. I don't know if Tom Brady's going to yeah. go back to back and go home disappointed. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I think. Yep. But just, I just keep looking at really um, the Rams, D line, and those two in the middle, like. They can almost like single-handedly like stop the run and make everything go outside, and then they can also get pressure on the quarterback inside. And that's one of the things when you play Brady, you want to get pressure up the middle real quick. And so that's my main reason is that. I mean, we've seen Aaron Donald; he's he's the best in the league at getting pressure up the middle. Exactly. And then and then Sue. And Sue. Yeah. yeah, he probably had exactly. the best two games for them in the playoffs. Since he's been mm -hmm. there, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, you've you've played against Tom Brady, I believe, twice in your career. Once in 2013, and then uh, once in 2017, that Thursday night game. So, is that what your guys' game plan was, pretty much? You know, like Gerald, you're gonna need to need to rush him and, and get more pressure up to middle. Because everybody says, if you're able to hit Brady, you're able to beat him. And that was one thing. Actually, I missed that Thursday night game, um, but okay. that was one thing that we did good that game. Like Gerald and Clement Donald was getting pressure up the middle, but you know he's gonna get rid of the ball quick. So you want to make sure your guys, you got your tackling fundamentals down because you can get rid of the ball quick to those running backs and those slot receivers. 
And if you play in uh-huh. zone, it's going to end up being like your linebacker's got to make that tackle in, um, in space. So sometimes the game plan is usually the game plan is to get pressure up the middle. And if you play in zone, make sure everybody has their eyes on Tom Brady. So when you throw the ball to the um, flat or those, throw those short passes, you have two or three guys rallying to it. So it's not a open field tackle, single tackle every time. Right. Yeah. Right. So you were probably, you were probably on that sideline, right? For that game. Uh, how did it feel seeing the, the rookie Justin Evans get his first career interception off Tom Brady on, on the first drive? <laughs> when I almost felt better than when I got uh, mine, but. Just watching it, Thursday night game, pretty sure. We, we might have had the, the red jerseys on, and they got yep, this athletic. He can put his body in positions like I don't even dream of that. I know it hurt me in the nose positions. And he had, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was like sideways, and the leg was mm-hmm. the other yeah, way, yeah. body. Fantastic catch. And, <laughs> but, and we see him do that stuff all the time in practice. But just seeing him like make that play versus – the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm like, okay, there we go. We got a good one on our hands. Well, Mr. Tandy, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate the time, and we appreciate your time in Tampa here as well. And um, before you go, I just wanted to ask if you had any causes or uh, any charities you may have supported you wanted to put out there um, so we can promote them here on the show. The main uh, charity I work with back home is the Boys and Girls Club of Hopkinsville, Kentucky. But I'm always, like, just helping out. Anybody on the team have something. The guys that are still in Tampa that have things, I always, like, help those guys out and do. If they call me, I'm usually one of the first ones there. Totally, totally. Well, ladies Fantastic. and gentlemen, again, uh, former safety, uh, former Buccaneer safety Keith Tandy joining us here today on the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much, Mr. Tandy, and um, we hope you really do have a, uh, a great rest of your day. Thanks for coming on with us. All right, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty, yeah, there you go, guys. So, exclusive interview there for you. Yeah, uh, we got some, we got some good things, right? <laughs> I believe, I believe we got him to admit that Mike Evans has better hands than Julio Jones. Oh, uh, he didn't want to answer that one clearly. I, I mean, nope. There, hey, there is a true debate I, there. I told him. I said you don't, you don't have to answer this. I, I said you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening with us again. I, I would say probably the most high-profile prof- high guest we've had here on the show so far. Former we've had a lot of good ones. Oh yeah, no, no disrespect to the other ones, but uh, yeah, let me not let me not uh, let me not burn any bridges. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's been a really really good time. Hopefully, he was able to answer some of the guys' uh, questions you had sent us on Instagram a little bit earlier today. Um, Evan and I had a really good time, and. Uh, I mean, I'm pumped up now. I know the interview's over, but I'm in a really good mood now. That went really well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Hope you guys enjoy it. Um, Maybe we'll have an episode for you soon. Probably not next week or anything because this is sort of a slow period, but uh, things are going to start picking up around this team. Yeah. Um, This team is going to start making some, some moves. Particularly with their roster. Not necessarily adding players yet, but, um, with their roster, they're going to start trimming some of the fat uh, here in the next three, four weeks. Definitely. And, and as you had said, Evan, this is the time of year where things are just a little bit slow. We've been saying that the past few episodes. But, I mean, this is the time of the year where you're scrolling down Twitter or you're scrolling down Facebook or wherever you get your Bucks news. And you really start to see some of the outlandish rumors. Um, I would say most of the rumors you'd see right now, dismiss it with a grain of salt. Could happen. Depends on your source. But don't believe everything you read, people. 
Just don't. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Cannon Fire Pod. You can follow my co-host Evan at Bucksway, formerly Bucks Football, on Instagram and Twitter. And make sure you check out our partners at PewterReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll see you next time. Go Bucks! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.